5: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Thanks for listening to the best of the Ben Maller Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weeknight from 2 to 6 Eastern, 11 p.m. to 3 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And to find your local station for the Ben Maller Show at foxsportsradio.com. You can find it there or stream us live every night on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR.
5: This is the best of the Ben Maller show on Fox Sports Radio.
6: So the menu includes a plate of booze and bean balls, which is being cooked. It's being charbroiled right now in the oven. It is time for our obligatory The Astros are Cheating Scumbags. Mallard monologue of the day. And, uh, yes, have you heard the latest on this? Have you seen the latest? It's wonderful. It's glorious. Well, don't worry. If you missed it, this is the spot you come to to get caught up on everything going on involving the most important cheating scandal, rocking baseball to its bedrock on a daily basis. So, uh, if you haven't paid attention you missed it, spring training beans. Balls from opposing pitchers have been happening. I guess it's comparable to that old Britney Spears song back in the day. Oops, I did it again. Oops, I did it again. A lot of miscalculations all of a sudden with the strike zone in spring training. And Alex Bregman of the Astros, he was hit in the back by a breaking pitch from a St. Louis Cardinal reliever. I would say greatest Cardinal pitcher ever. Sorry, Bob Gibson. Ramon Santos, my new favorite St. Louis Cardinal. I'm going to get his jersey. I love this guy. His seventh Astro batter plunked. The Astros' new team nickname is Kerplunk because that's what happens to him. They get plunked in the back there. Seven hit batters in five spring training games. Now, there was split squad action around the Grapefruit League as half the Astros played the Cardinals, and we saw Bregman get hit. But in the other split squad game, the Astros sent a contingent to the Mets spring training facility, and George Springer stepped into the batter's box, and he tried to, let's just say he tried to overcompensate when he was greeted by the boos. And here's how that sounded. Let's go to the audio tape.
5: Let's see. Give me. Boo! Boo! The actual George Springer. Boo! Tried to hit the ball
6: 17,000 miles in response to the booze. Yeah. <laughs> Tried to hit it 17,000 miles in response to the booze, and he swung so hard. How hard did he swing? His shoes almost came off. You know, when you, somebody gets hit by a car, their shoes immediately fly off. It was like Springer got hit by a car. The the way that he swung so hard. Uh, And just to prove I'm not lying about Alex Bregman, here's how it sounded as Bregman got kerplunked in the back. Straws driven in three of the four runs today.
0: Oh! Oh! Yeah, that's an off-speed pitch It got away.
6: Yeah, it got away.
0: Shoulder blade.
7: Yeah. Obviously going to cause a stir. There's a stir.
0: On a breaking ball that hits Bregman.
6: Uh, that's Astro's Apologist Television Network on the call on that. So let's discuss the question. <laughs> this is great. Where is this Astro story going? Where are we going? here? Again, this is a daily feature. It's like Days of Our Lives, Astros style. So I've got the witch doctor, grab bag, and paper cuts, and we'll toss all of these things together and we'll make a quilt is what we're going to make. Now, A... We are going to follow this with all of our attention between now and October and beyond, unless, and the only way we go away from this is Rob Manford gets his nuts back and vacates the dirty 2017 World Series title. Otherwise, this is the new normal. Deal with it, right? Rob Manford has given his blessing to the asbestos of baseball which is inside the Astros clubhouse, they all got away with it. Every man, woman, and child associated with the Astros got away with it. And so I'm enjoying this. I'm not going to lie to you. This has been, this week, I have been the kid, you know, the cliche in the movies, the kid on Christmas morning or Hanukkah that wakes up and runs to see what gifts he's received. Well, I run to the Internet or I turn my phone on in bed. I can't even wait to get out of bed. I turn my, my smartphone on. I'm like, all right. What happened in the Grapefruit League while I was sleeping? What happened? Did somebody get drilled? Is there some new report of cheating and all that? Yeah. What's waiting for me under the Astros tree? Which, by the way, the tree, poison ivy. The Astros tree, their Christmas tree, poison ivy. How about that? And I watched these highlights with such great anticipation. And the thing about the internet now, you can watch them over and over and over. I watched Bregman get hit by 500 pitches. Right in the same spot in the back, 500 times. Bam, 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 bam. Bregman! Bam, bam! That's right. I did. I mean, this is just what the doctor, or in this case, the witch doctor, ordered. Uh, Major League Baseball made a big to-do, the much-ballied defense of the Astros players from retaliation. Now, my theory is, that there's some kind of compromise, and I hope I'm right. As long as you don't drill guys in the head with fastballs, they're going to look the other way. All right, The Cardinal relief pitcher, this great Ramon Santos, what a stud this guy is. Uh, this guy's going to be making a ton of money. Picture perfect execution. What did we say in previous Malin monologues how to do this? He did it exactly the way we wanted him to do it. He must be a closet listener to the show. Uh, how else could he have decided that? Uh, either that or he, much like myself, is a friend of Nostradamus and a distant relative of the great Nostradamus. But listen, Santos waited until a 3-2 count, and then it just happened to slip and it hit Bregman in the nameplate on the back of his ugly Astros jersey. That dis- isn't it an uglier uniform in baseball than the Astros? Looks like vomit. Doesn't the Astros uniform look like vomit? Everyone's shaking their head. Yes, it looks like absolute vomit. There's disgust. Yeah. So I have an idea for baseball's marketing department and their wardrobe department. How about they just cut out the middleman, put an orange bullseye right in the back of those Astro uniforms? That way, there's no confusion. The opposing pitchers know where to throw the baseball. Right, put a bullseye right there on the nameplate, right in the middle of the nameplate, and it would be great—a little slice of uh, vengeance pie. Now, remember, Alex Bregman's the same guy that did a, an interview on Barstool on a podcast. Famously, was asked what his favorite unwritten rule of baseball was, and he revealed he liked how baseball policed itself. Now, I'm paraphrasing this, but he he said something along the the effect of uh, or along the lines rather. That he liked that if you or one of your teammates did something stupid, you're going to get hit. He liked it. Well, good. Goody, 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 right? I mean, we're going to overdose on hit-by-pitches here. And I would say using trash cans, buzzers, pyrotechnics, and other elaborate video espionage tools would rise to the level of stupid. And Bregman, we mentioned this, he became the seventh Astro player to be hit in five games, seven in five games. Guess who leads baseball, Grapefruit and Cactus League, and hit batters? Ding, 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 ding. Ah, that's right. You are so smart. You are so smart. So let's do some maler math on the Astros. They've been hit seven times in five games. That works out to 1.4 times per game. If the pace continues and it goes on through the regular season, forget spring training, just from opening day, Until the end of the regular season, Astro batters will be hit 226.8 times this season. Would anybody have a problem with that? Absolutely not. Thumbs up. Everyone thumbs up on that. Yes? Get an attaboy? Attaboy. That's right. Attaboy. Amen. Hallelujah. All of those big words. Now, part B of this, the George Springer introduction, which we played for you, was just fabulous. Right, The Snowbird Met fans that go down to sleepy Port St. Lucie to hang out made me proud. I was proud. In the tabernacle of baseball, the people already have spoke in Florida. And they have revealed the chorus of Boo Flat serenading these Astros. I love, I know this is more of a visual thing, and I don't know who this woman is, but there was a woman right behind Bregman. Center screen, right behind Bregman. And while he was batting and everyone was booing, she went like this. She had both thumbs down. And I thought it was just wonderful. It just made for a, a, just a delicious video. Just a marvelous video. Just just outstanding. Both thumbs down, right behind his big melon head, Bregman. And, uh, and, and not just at the Mets Park. Now, there were reports. I didn't see this firsthand, but I, you know it's hearsay. The Astro batters were getting booed by Cardinal fans on every pitch at the Astros' spring training ballpark. They were getting drowned out by booze from the Cardinal fans. So uh, you, know, you you look at this, there's different ways to deconstruct what's been going on here, but I, I do have a belief that the constant throwing of raspberries at the Houston ballplayers will have a, an effect over the long term cumulative effect, if you will, on a, a number of these players and result in poor performances. Now, why do I say that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, there are two types of players. I've always thought this, even before I became a bloviating blowhard on the radio, but there's two types of players. And this starts at the very young age, but I, I would say you, you really by high school you've figured it out. There's the kind of player who has thick skin and really likes playing in a hostile environment, going into somebody else's house and messing things up, right? Leaving toilet paper on the floor, leaving dirty dishes in the sink and likes to shut everyone up, right? There's that type of person. They enjoy turning the booze into the sound of silence. They like that. Then you have the snowflake side of the aisle who need constant affirmation and positive reinforcement in order to feel like they are doing a good job and for this special class on the Astros, 2020 is going to be agony. But for the rest of us, it'll be pure ecstasy. So that's the wonderful thing about this. Now see example eight: George Springer, who was showered in booze, he didn't have to take a shower, he was already showered in booze, lather up, and I drink third inning, third inning, he tried to hit the ball 17,000 miles in response to the booze. He swung so hard, how hard did he sway? I'm glad you asked. He swung so hard, this George Springer, that he almost corkscrewed himself into the ground. He fell down to a knee. That's how hard he swung. It, amazing what happens when Jordan Springer doesn't know what's coming. Bang, bang. Right? If if that had been, I don't know, 2017 World Series, that ball would have been over the uh, the, the fence, would have been a home run, because he knew what was coming. He knew what was coming.
0: Bang, bang.
6: So expect Houston players to suffer anxiety anarchy, possibly have a coronary, and certainly will experience homesickness when they go on extended West Coast road trips in the American League West. We will have a grab bag of online shaming, which, thank God, is already happening, public humiliation in the form of signs and heckles from the upper balcony, which is also taking place. I did see some signs. That, apparently the, the Mets, unlike those pussy willows at the Washington National spring training ballpark, there were signs allowed at the Port St. Lucie facility there. And some of the Mets fans had some funny signs. Up. La- last word. All right. So being drilled by off-speed pitches is a both perfect and pernicious way to approach this. And I like it because it's the daily double. Number one, it is death by a thousand paper cuts. It is harmful to Astro batters, but in a very subtle way, when you throw the breaking pitch. And I love that. And number two, the Astro fans and many members of the media are too gullible, all right? They're too gullible to understand the nuance of this because they're guzzling Astro-flavored Kool-Aid, all right? That's what they're doing. Yet, as you accumulate, Being hit by pitches, what happens? It takes a toll on your body, even with breaking pitches, right? Long, winding road of a baseball season. I have witnessed, back when I was around baseball a lot, firsthand players being bruised, scraped, and bloodied from breaking pitches. Not fastballs, breaking pitches. Hitting them in the hands, fingers, wrist, elbows, shoulders, thighs, you name it. And it becomes problematic. You're like a a crash test dummy. Every day you get hit. Again, there's a collision. Every single day. So I would like to recommend for these people, so they get a lot of paper cuts, they might want to text Tony Stark and jumble together one of those flexible superhero body armor suits that Iron Man had for these sanctimonious, pompous A-hole players that are going to get drilled. And it's just great. That and the reaction of these moronic fans of the Astros has just made this one of the most wonderful times for me since I've been in this radio business. It is just so fun. It is just so fun. You combine the perfect mix mix of uneducated Astro fans who are total lemmings and chills for the Astros. And then you throw these arrogant, pompous SOB players with that snarky weasel of a commissioner. And you have the perfect Shakespearean drama playing out in real time.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m.
6: Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
1: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington.
5: Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a
3: recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We often hear what a fraternity it is to
6: play in the National Football League, and very few people get to do it, and everyone's united uh, as, as one, unless the evil money becomes a factor. So the NFL is this close to labor harmony for a decade, for a decade. Uh, and we're waiting for the final vote, but the vote has been sent uh, to the players. and A new deal has been approved by the owners already, that would be a 17-game season. It's now up to the full union membership to decide. So all it's going to take now is a simple majority vote of a roughly 2,000 players. So let's say there's 2,000. If 1,001 players vote for the New Deal, there's a new deal, and it will go immediately into effect. It will get rid of the old labor agreement. Now, you've probably heard about all that. We talked about it in a previous episode of the show. But have you heard The rest of the story, possibly not. Maybe you have not been paying attention to that part of the story. So uh, a day after it was reported by surrogates of the NFL that it was all but a fait accompli, the contract was going to be done, there has been a conga line of well-known players that have come out and condemned this agreement. They do not like leading the charge. Aaron Rodgers... He said he voted no for this. Other players that have also voiced their displeasure include Russell Wilson, Richard Sherman, and J.J. Watt, who are all vehemently opposed to the labor contract. Many of them falling on player safety and saying that the 17th game is just not right. Marquise Pouncey said, I vote no. The brother of Dolphin Center and player rep Mike Pouncey said in an Instagram video, F that S. Is what he said. I think that's very deep. I think that's uh, that's academia speaking right there. Uh, F that s, our NFLPA, the dudes at the top, the leaders, they ain't looking out for the best for the players. Uh, was the quote? All right. So let us let us discuss. The question is this: What's the big takeaway from this clear divide, this division between different factions of the NFL? Because it is being reported. Breathlessly, that this squabble of the elite class of players and the ordinary working stiffs, members of the union, is the somehow unprecedented situation that is taking place. Now, my observation is you've got Yellowstone, Marked Deck, and Gadgets. And we'll put all these into a pot. We'll cook it for about 20 minutes or so and we'll see what happens. Okay? Yeah. All right. Now, number one. Number one. Uh, these kind of stories regarding dissension. Among the players in trouble on the ship, uh, they're perfect, right they, they and, and for people to be saying that this is this is odd, this is unreal, it's no, it's none of those things. It's as old as the hills. It happens every labor negotiation, and this is no big revelation. So I'm trying to figure out why it's being talked about like some kind of big revelation, unless you have been living in a vacuum. Over the years, or you're too young to not have recalled previous labor negotiations. I'm, I'm being totally serious here. It's akin to going to Yellowstone National Park in Wyoming and being blown away that Old Faithful, the geyser, erupts every 44 minutes to two hours. I can't believe that. This is un- This is breathless. I'm breathless. I can't believe it. Can you believe this? This geyser goes off every uh, about every 40 minutes to two hours. It's amazing. Can't believe it. Wealthy players always balk at the collective bargaining agreements because these deals are not designed for them. These deals are never set up for those players. 99% of players saw the new moolah, and what happened? These people got aroused. And you got to understand, know your audience, right? We're not talking about the International Union of Bricklayers and Allied Craft Workers. We're talking about the NFL Players Union which is a weak union. In the NFLPA, there is a massive disparity. The pay gap is very real between the few players. I think it's roughly 120 players that make really ridiculous money, and then you've got the rank and file, which is everybody else. Uh, And some of them make, for us, really good money, but eh, compared to their other contemporary NFL players, not so much. Now, the second thing here. Uh, now I, I would guess that Bernie Sanders would endorse this deal. Why? Because it increases the minimum wage on the lower-end players in the NFL. And that's really the big selling point here. That's the carrot on the stick for the NFL owners to the players is that you're going to get more money even though it technically lowers the salary of the wealthier players because they put a cap on that 17th game check. And that's capped below what players like Aaron Rodgers and J.J. Watt and Russell Wilson get paid. So they're going to end up playing a game, God forbid, for less money than they make over the other 16 games. Now, I, I understand. If I was in their shoes, I would be offended by that also. But you got to look at the big picture here. And this does crank up the salary for the rest. And so Bob Kraft, Jerry Jones... Dan Snyder and all these other billionaire owners of NFL teams, they are working like Robin Hood, robbing from the rich players to give to the hoi polloi, uh, the, the hillbillies in the working class who uh, are most of the NFL. All right? And so they went into this playing poker with a marked deck. That is what the NFL owners are doing. And, it, and it's brilliant that they rigged the game, right? Now, now I believe this deal is actually pretty good. But I'm an outsider. I don't work in the NFL. I just critique what, what happens in the NFL. Right? I'm sitting in the upper balcony here. Uh, but I know from just personal experience and how I relate to this, it would be akin to them saying, Ben, we're going to pay you more money, but you have to do a fifth hour. Okay? Uh, you know, it's like, and I used to do five hours of live radio. Now I do this dopey podcast, which, by the way, is an act of charity. Uh, I want to point that out. Um, <laughs> So I guess I, I am in many respects like Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers when it comes to the podcast because I'm getting paid uh, less for that. Actually, nothing, which I think is a lot less than the, uh, the, than the radio show. But uh, so, so that's how I would relate. But I know in the radio game, and I've been in this for a long time, there have been many years where I get no raise, no raise at all. Now, I first got into radio. The economy was great; it was booming. Radio was doing very well, and they gave out raises every year. I mean, you get a—you bo- always look forward to December because your boss would call you up on the phone and say, "Ben, we're going to give you a five you percent know, raise, a seven percent raise, whatever it was." And they stopped making those phone calls years ago, and it never started again. I don't know what happened. Um, so, if somebody calls you up and says, "Hey, you got to do a little more work, but we're going to give you more money," most people would say, "Okay." All right, I would expect that. And the whole counter argument from the owner's side of things is listen, we're raising the revenues. We're going to give the players a higher percentage of the money, but we're really, what they're just doing is taking the money from that 17th game and funneling that money, the trickle down to the players, is what they're doing. So that 17th game is just a money making venture. They're going to sell a different TV package, whether it's international games, whatever it is. So. but I know for me, I, I never expect a raise. Uh, you know, these guys are getting a raise. NFL players at the bottom end of the food chain, will all of them will see new cash. The rookie minimum salaries increase $100,000 this year. You imagine getting a $100,000 raise? It's probably more money than you make right now. $100,000 raise in 2020, and then in 2021, a $50,000 raise. And then after that, for the next eight years, the increase each year after that will be $45,000. How can you go on only getting a $45,000 raise year after year to be the 53rd man on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? How can you do that? right? Minimum salaried players. Now, this is the vast majority, the faceless, nameless spam that fill out rosters that we don't talk about on the radio and you don't know who they are. Nobody knows who they are, but they Play in the NFL, and they've been in the NFL for years. Those guys get $90,000 pay raises this year. Bumpity bump, bump, bump. All right. And $80,000 as well. They get $80,000 as well. And then $105,000 uh, the year after. But actually, it's, it's eighty dollars to $105,000 in 2021. And then each year after that, another forty five dollars Another forty five dollars How about the practice squad players who don't even play in the games? They don't even play in the games. They're going to get ten grand a week to not play in NFL games. Does that become the greatest job in sports to be a practice squad player? I know you got to practice and all that, but you don't have to play in the games, and you're going to get ten thousand five hundred dollars per week to not actually, you know, play in games. Pretty good to be be an intern, ten thousand five hundred dollars per week. I can go on and on here. They say it's about five million billion dollars over the course of the ten years that will be tossed out to players. Guys get more money uh, for off-season workouts uh, as well. I can go on and on. There's a whole bunch of different layers to this if you read the fine print. All right, final point. So the main issue with Aaron Rodgers and these other guys is 17th game, don't like it. Aaron Rodgers also complained about the NFL taking away a bye for the number two seed in each conference. I disagree with all these players that complain. If I was an NFL player, you know what my number one complaint would be with this labor agreement? The length of the deal. Dumb. I don't know who at the NFLPA decided 10 years, but that's a mistake. We live in a rapidly evolving world. It is stunning. Think about where the world was 10 years ago as in terms of technology and media. You know, and, and someone that works in the media business and I've seen it, you know, it used to be people only listened on the radio, we have more listeners in many cases on streaming services and to the podcast than we do on the radio. That's completely changed. When I first got on the radio, when people wanted to interact with us, they didn't we didn't have Twitter. They you know what they did? We had the facts of the day. They had fax machines and people would send in faxes and we would read those on the air. In fact, we had a fax machine when Fox Sports Radio started and then they left it in here for years, and we I remember one time we tried to find the number, and it was like a throwback. We were going to have somebody send a fax, but apparently they had turned that thing off. But the point is, the world is a-changing, and it is short-sighted to agree to a deal that lasts a decade. You are gambling. The NFLPA is gambling. The economy today will either stay the same, there'll be no new technological breakthroughs, or it's going to get worse. If it gets worse... Well, then the NFL owners will likely say, We'd like to renegotiate. We got a problem. Uh, You know, like Bernie Sanders wins the election and all these billionaires get their money taken away from them. And then they'll be like, Wait a minute. We got a problem here. We're going to have to renegotiate. Uh, Now, if that happens, the NFLPA, you know, it's up to them. The ball's in their court. They're certainly in the driver's seat. But we have no idea what kind of gadgets and gizmos and thingamajigs are coming to pop up in cyberspace on the dark web that will eventually lead to new revenue streams for the NFL. So you can't push the reset button for a decade. You can't do it. You know, it's not like in you know, year four, if there's some new platform that pops up that the NFL players can say, okay, we'd like a piece of that pie. You're going to have to wait another six years. Sorry, sucker. You're going to have to wait.
5: Be sure to catch live editions of the Ben Maller Show weekdays at 2 a.m. Eastern, 11 p.m. Pacific. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession.
3: But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to the Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
6: It's Maller. How about that? To the third degree. Fire in.
5: This is when Big Ben gets grilled.
6: That it is, and we pass the mic
9: over to the Coupe de loop for this edition of The Third League. Well, John Lynch told the media on Tuesday that the Niners are committed to Jimmy Garoppolo moving forward and also that Jimmy G, quote, has not come close to hitting his ceiling. Ben, do you think we can still see improvement from Garoppolo? Uh, well, here's the way I will say this. Uh, Jimmy G
6: is right now in the middle of the pack. He's slightly above average... You you look at the bell curve of quarterbacks. He's not anyone's top 10 quarterback. He's on the fringes, right, until proven otherwise. And, And here's a couple things. A, Jimmy Garoppolo is in the same basket as Jared Goff. Now, 49er fans don't like to hear that. But until proven otherwise, I see no tangible difference between Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo. Both have won a lot of games and both have lost the Super Bowl as a starting quarterback. And the the noise around the NFL, we talked about it early in the season, last regular season, that even though the Niners were winning all these games and they were undefeated at the time, there were concerns about the leadership of Garoppolo. And that they can't get rid of him now. He got to the Super Bowl, but it's not like he's a great quarterback. And B, it must be asked, it has to be asked, if Jimmy Garoppolo is a big-game quarterback. Now, it's small sample size, but he had a grand total of two touchdown passes and three interceptions in the 49ers' run to the Super Bowl. And his playoff passer rating – Garoppolo was at 75.9, eerily similar to Jared Goff the previous year where the Rams got to the Super Bowl, and Goff had a passer rating of 71.7. So that's a less than a 5% difference in passer rating between Goff and Garoppolo year to year. And Kyle Shanahan gave the ball to the quarterback. Garoppolo said, go out there and win me the game. They gave him a lead in the fourth quarter. They said, go out there and win the game. And Garoppolo was so incompetent. You saw it. I saw it. That he actually helped inspire Kansas City's comeback. Patrick Mahomes is not drinking the bubbly as a Super Bowl champion without the help of the incompetent fourth quarter player, Jimmy
9: Garoppolo. So there are a lot of questions still left. And can he improve? Sure. Do I think he's going to improve? No. All right, next. Now, despite the nine-point loss on Tuesday, the Pelicans actually kept it pretty close with the Lakers throughout the game. Now, the Pels, who have been playing pretty well as of late, are actually only three and a half games out of the eighth seed in the West. Any chance they sneak into the playoffs, Ben? All right, so it's highly unlikely, but not impossible. It's not impossible. I'll tell you why.
6: Because, number one, the NBA marketing department is trying to do what? They want to build Zion Williamson as the new messiah of the NBA. He is the savior. Right. He's the savior. And the baton, it hasn't quite been passed, but it's there and you can just go out and grab it in the relay race for eyeballs in the NBA. They are hyping him up so much. It is going to be impossible for him to live up to the expectations that Zion has laid out for him. And, and here's the other thing. Right? I mean, the second thing is Zion needs to be aware of his surroundings. I am not saying that the NBA is completely a rigged league like professional wrestling. But let's just say that if you look at the predictions, and I'll make one right now. Let's say the Pelicans will be the beneficiary of some very team-friendly officiating. And many of these 50-50 calls will seemingly go the way of the Pelicans. Think of this as an adult teaching a kid how to ride a bike, and you got the training wheels. You take the training wheels off. Kids are a little skittish on the bike. you got to shove the kid, right? So they're going to try to shove. The NBA is going to try to shove the Pelicans into the playoffs. I
9: still don't think they're going to make it, but they're going to try. All right, next. Rams Jim Les Snead said there is no timeline to get Jalen Ramsey signed to an extension. And with what the Rams gave up to get him, are you concerned at all that they could lose him to free agency?
6: Well, I, no, I'm not concerned because I don't work for the team, so it doesn't really matter to me whether you're, whether he's there or not. But I would say, first of all, th- this is nothing to worry about if you are the player, Jalen Ramsey, because less need. what is his reputation? This guy is a reckless General manager. He has complete disregard for the salary cap ramifications of these massive contracts. This is the guy everyone should want as their GM. He hands out these mega contracts like snicker bars on on Halloween. All right, or he's like Santa Claus going around with a big basket of toys for everybody. You get a toy, you get a toy, you get a toy. The Rams are the opposite of the Patriots. You know the whole argument with the Patriots is they don't overpay. The Rams are like an ATM machine that uh, just is broken and just keeps giving out cash to everybody. Now, secondly, I believe Jalen Ramsey is good. I believe that to be a truism. Uh, he wants to be in LA. I believe that to be true. Of course, he wants to get paid. The Rams. They have to choose the lesser of two evils here. Fork over another massive contract. Are you better off with that, or are you better off losing Jalen Ramsey? To me, the only way you justify the trade the Rams made when they gave away all those draft picks, and I don't have a problem with it, but you have to— harvest Jalen Ramsey's prime years, you have to keep him around at least for the next three seasons to justify trading away all those draft picks. If you traded for Ramsey to make the playoffs and you didn't make the playoffs, you at least got to keep him for a couple of extra years. Alright, there it is. Maller to the third degree. How did we do?
9: Uh, I guess he passed it. Yeah,
6: another win. That's another win. See that Aussie momentum? Another victory. All right, that's right there. It's now time for... Time time
0: for...
9: Hurry, hurry, I can hardly wait. Ask Bed. Twitter!
0: Send us your questions on Twitter now.
6: All right, it's made possible by Discover. Want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back you earn at the end of your first year automatically. And it's even more amazing because Discover is accepted at over 95% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2019 Nielsen Report. Limitations... Do apply. All right, Coop. The loop. Give me your top three quick questions right now, and then we'll have the rest of Ask Ben. Your questions, are answers
9: for the rest of the hour. All right, Ben. We're gonna start off with a question for you. All right. And I have to ask you a question uh, before I can ask this question. Okay. Have you ever? You've never seen the Hunger Games, huh? No, no. no do no. Do you understand what the the concept is? Uh,
6: vaguely, yes, vaguely. Yeah.
9: So in the movie, they throw like a bunch of you know kids into this like you know. I don't know, this arena or whatever, large arena, and they have to kill each other, and whoever survives yeah, is the winner. It's like a, like a, yeah, like a so, well, not really Sophie's choice, but yeah, I get the concept. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, Chris on Facebook wants to know, Ben, imagine that all your Maller militia members are put in the Hunger Games. Yeah. Who do you think ends up being the sole survivor? Also, who would die first? Wow. What a. <sighs> <laughs> well, the bum in Miami would die first because wow, know, he, you know, he would, I don't know. know. He's
0: used to living in harsh elements. He could. Nah, you know. but... Yeah, I
9: kind of agree with Eddie. No, nah. yeah, I agree with Eddie.
0: I would say, I think food picks might go first. No, I, I disagree. I believe food
6: picks would actually be okay. I'll tell you why. He wouldn't. He would be oblivious to what's going on, and he would. Well, just, that's not
0: a good thing though. When you're being hunted and killed, uh, he'd be like, "Hey guys, what's going on? Dead."
6: A lot of these guys are fake tough guys on the radio, so <laughs> well, I don't really know them in real life. Like I can see, like Hollering James, maybe would just start screaming at people, and their eardrums would pop, and then they, he could win that way. Uh, but I think the the bum in Miami would go out first. I can see Chris in Houston doing pretty well in this. Uh, oh, uh, Sean the Hood guy. Oh, yeah. Oh, that
9: experience. I'm going to bet on Sean the Hood guy to win. He wins, wins, man. Yeah. I, I, that's a good one. I Thank was you. I was going to put my money on Doc Mike. Oh, yeah. Doc <laughs> would just throw urine at people. And me- <laughs> <laughs> Does he have a No, shotgun? he wouldn't. He'd be, he'd be drinking. Oh, it. yeah. He'd <laughs> fix the coronavirus. That's right. Yes. All right. Next. All right. Uh, this is for uh, everyone. This is from right. uh, Brandon on Facebook. Hi, Brandon. Uh, what is the largest Costco purchase you have ever made, and what and what was yeah like? What was the amount?
6: Uh, that's a good question. I, you know, I try to block out those big, uh, big receipts because it's very traumatic. But I have bought um, trips f- on Costco for thousands of dollars. I went on a trip to Hawaii through Costco Travel. I guess that would probably be the most expensive thing I bought at Costco. I saved a lot of money on it, but it was all inclusive. How about just a hotel how about and-
0: just uh, you know the shopping cart?
6: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've bought electronic stuff at
0: Costco, so like television or something like that. Yeah, what about you, Eddie? Yeah, no, we've we've bought uh big screen TVs from Costco before as well. So I'm gonna I'm gonna guess around $300. Okay,
3: what I think
6: it's more than that. I spent more than that. What what about you, uh, Roberto? Uh, it's like
9: $500. Five hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. What was I just I just got we had just gotten married. Went to Costco by myself, and uh, went shopping like an idiot. You went for it. Yeah. yeah, my
6: wife still has the receipt there to show it. Show <laughs> me right next to the receipt for the twenty seventeen World exactly. Series.
9: Yeah, all
0: right, uh, cool. <laughs> what about you?
9: Um, oh, yeah. Mine way, was a, a TV purchase. Upon as well.
0: doing research, it was more than 300. Yeah, I was about to say. That's a, that's about, about 600, bro. Yeah, yeah. Was
9: gonna, yeah uh, my, my biggest was a, was a TV purchase as well, around around $1,000. Yeah. All
6: right, let's, uh, I said three questions. I lied. That's two. We'll pause for the cause and we'll have more of Ask Ben. Your questions are answers next. The lights are on, but they're dim. It's Ask Ben. Your questions
9: are answers for the rest of the hour. Back to Coop we go. All right, Ben, this is a question for you. All right. Uh, Awesome. This is from uh, Queen Roxanne. Fantastic. Hi, Queen Roxanne. Ben, will you please agree to the Vegas meetup?
6: (laughs) Uh, I am leaning towards that, Roxanne, Uh, but I I still have to make sure. We're still too far away for me to 100% sign and, and chisel that in stone, but it is looking like that, although it might only be for, like, I might just drive in and drive out, so I don't know. I don't know if that's going to happen. It's not, a, it's not an open and shut case. It's a little more complicated than that. But I would love to do it, and hopefully I will be able to make it. And Eddie and Roberto and Coop, and you know, I've done a lot of these things, but uh, these guys haven't done too many of these things. So it would be nice for them to come out and hang out with everybody. So hopefully that will happen. But, again, I said a month before, so we got another month, and then we'll know. Like about a month from now, we'll have to make the final decision. All right, next! All right, this and is for those who don't know what we're talking about. The NFL draft, Queen Rocks and some uh, Vegas Rob, they want to get like a maller meet and greet, an unofficial unsanctioned meet and greet because the company will not sanction it.
9: Yeah. This is a question for everybody, Ben. All right. This is from Glenn on Facebook. Hi Glenn. Now, it's it's sports related, which we normally don't do, but yeah, I I, don't I, do I think it's I think it's interesting and I and I kind of want to know the answer. All right. Uh, Glenn wants to know what's the first Super Bowl you remember watching? Uh, Well, I have vague memories of Super Bowls, but the first one I really
6: was all about it was probably the Chicago Bears and the New England Patriots because I had, I had a fascination as a kid for William the Refrigerator Perry because he was a big obese guy, and he, they gave him the ball to score touchdowns, and I thought that was cool. But that's probably the one I – I have vague memories of, of Super Bowls before that, but that's the one that really I, like, remembered a lot of the details. It was a horrible game, too. What about you, Eddie?
0: Super Bowl fifteen in the Rose Bowl, L.A. Rams versus Pittsburgh ah, Steelers. there you go. And uh, that helped me become a Steelers fan.
6: Oh, if only the Rams had won. You know, Terry Bradshaw, I used to work with him. He told me if he had known me when I, back then that I was a Rams fan, he would have thrown the game and the Rams would have beaten the Steelers. I swear to God, he said that on the radio. Oh, what about you, Roberto? I was eight years old. I believe it was the Bengals and the 49ers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was Boomer Esiason's worst nightmare, right? Yeah. The Bengals lost on a Montana comeback. What about you,
9: Koopa Mine was uh, Packers, Broncos. Packers, so and you became a Bronco fan because of that. Yep. Oh man, you guys, you'd be a <laughs> Packer fan if the other team. And right, anyway, all right. Next, it's ask Ben your questions. That's possible. Our answers. Um, yeah, I mean, children are front runners. Uh, this is from true. This is from David on Facebook. Hi, David. Uh, for what is your favorite uh, type of pasta? That is like you know pasta shape. Well, Do you my, know the pasta shapes?
6: No, I just like fettuccine Alfredo, whatever oh, shape so that is. Fe- fettuccine. Yeah, fettuccine. I love fettuccine okay. Alfredo. What about you, Eddie?
9: Uh, is it gnocchi? Is that- gnocchi. Gnocchi. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 or gnocchi t- it's, way, it's, which used to be a street. And button, technically yeah. like a, a dumpling, but gnocchi's delicious. It's great. Roberta. I love ravioli, ravioli, ravioli. R- ravioli, <laughs> Uh Rigatoni. Rigatoni. That's, That's a, good a real one.
6: Italian dish, rigatoni.
9: All right, next it's ask man your questions our answers. Um <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, Daniel on uh f- you know I'm going to skip that one. Uh manic mike wants to know from everybody have you ever attended the opera?
6: One I got t- well
9: it was a ballet type thing. Oh. I don't know. Does that count? I don't know. Were they Were they what? singing? Was it an opera singing? Like there was singing and dudes what? What? <laughs> flying around in the
6: air with their cod pieces. Uh, yeah, I guess so. What about you, Eddie?
9: Quickly, <laughs> two musicals, but
6: no opera. All right. What about you, Roberto? No. Coop? No opera. Oh, I guess me not. I saw guys in. You know, it was jumping around. I was pretty uncomfortable, but.